0: Welcome to Bounce. My name is Christina Foxwell and I am hosting with my co-host, but I'm based in Sydney, Australia. And we are so excited. But before I let the cat out the bag, let me introduce my fantastic co-host. Would you like
1: to chime in? It's Jackie Arnold and I'm calling in from Ontario, Canada. And together we will bounce.
0: Yay, all right. So welcome. So before we get going and you introduce our host, shall we remind everyone why we've designed this this podcast so we put this podcast together because Jackie and I are both coaches performance coaches and really people that have worked on ourselves around our own journey in resilience and we wanted to be able to share people's stories tools and ideas to equip you so that you can bounce resiliently into your life and really live a full life so Jackie now it's up to you why don't you introduce
1: this lovely guest we I am so excited to have Rob Barlow here with us today Well. While- Rob, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Calling you by the wrong name. Um, (laughs) So grateful to have you here. Uh, Rob is—we're going to call him a courageous entrepreneur. Uh, We're really excited (laughs) to dive into his story. Um, An entrepreneur by nature, uh, Rob has owned, uh, been the president and CEO of his own company. Um, He's had done lots of other stuff before that, and. Uh, um, born in a, a small Ontario town, Fessalon, uh, near Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah. Um, and ha- Rob has a passion for digital inequity. Um, and so really want to sort of dive into that a little bit. Uh, talk about how you got there, where that came from. You've done a lot of work around the world in mm-hmm. helping to bridge that, uh, that divide. Um, and so much that you are actually a, an, a serial uh, philanthropist uh, donating 3% of the profits uh, each year to charities in helping bridge that uh, divide. So just, just that alone is um, a story we really want to hear more about. Um, and then later, we want to really understand your early years, um, and so you've done a TED Talk, and one of the things that struck us is, at a young age, you wanted to be CEO. And you found a way to do that, and uh, we are so curious about uh, the courage and the bravery, and and seemingly um, the ability to to push forward when people didn't didn't really believe in in your uh, ability to become that. So, all right, thank you for being here today. Yes, thank you so much. We were so thrilled, both
0: of us. So welcome.
2: Oh well, it's my pleasure to, and I'm grateful. So it's great.
1: So tell us about uh, just right off the bat, curious about digital inequity and what that means.
2: Okay. So, um, one of the problems we have is, um, most people do not have adequate access to the digital economy outside major cities. Mm -hmm. And it really becomes, um, a a disadvantage. It's like, it isn't, it's a handicap. So as an example, let's say you're in um, an indigenous uh, community and you have product or, or um, art that mm-hmm. you're trying to sell to the open market. It, typically, uh, if you don't have access to the digital economy, you have to go through a broker who takes a piece of your uh, profits. And so simple things like having access to Amazon or Facebook, uh, can you know, change the way you do business and therefore most of that money comes back to you instead of somebody else who's in the middle not really adding any value. Um, that's one I- example. There's also examples where you can, let's say your community um, has supplies of fuel that you need to buy on the open market and you have to go through somebody else to do it you you make a phone call you can't do it yourself Mm. and that that even goes into farming farmers do things like measuring the temperature of the potatoes in their bins and they cannot uh, have them freeze and so if farms don't have access to the uh, digital economy They have to have somebody go around and measure the temperature Mm -hmm. and that costs money which passes on to our food supply and so it really the problem we have is that um, there still are a lot of people without access as we've seen in this reset um, that we're experiencing we have children who didn't even have access to get their schoolwork. The teachers were putting it all together manually mm-hmm. and some of them were even delivering it to their homes or a place where the parents could come and get it. Um, and so the other kids were, you know, they had Google Chromebooks. They have like. A, you know, slack rooms set up, mm-hmm. but it's not like, you know, it makes a big difference and So the problem we have is one of incentivizing um, the right, the right investments. We have um, the ability to actually um, take away the political, uh, the political benefits of having somebody have a connection. Um, If we focus on digital economy as something that is a right which i believe in canada i mean they're trying to push it out as a as a right but um
1: right is that
2: like it's all it's it's almost like if you're from the un you basically say it's a human right but if you're from other countries um and there is a public market around telecommunications um you have to be careful of what you say Mm
1: -hmm. about
2: uh you know, you don't want to devalue the industry that's there. So, but in the end, it's, um, it is, it is uh, necessary for all of us to have access to the digital economy. And digital equality um, hurts us all. And every 10% of broadband that is um, brought into underserved markets it increases in, in, um, you know, populated areas, 1.5%, uh, of our gross domestic product. Mm. So the business case is a big business case. It's not a business case that, that you make in five years and you're out. It's like a 30 year business case. So I've been kind of passionate about this. Um, the reason that I really got into it was that. I guess it was 20 years ago. I was a lineman for Ontario Hydro in Northern Ontario and we relied on two-way radios for our health and safety. Hmm. And a lot of times we couldn't communicate, so we couldn't do anything. Um, There was also accidents that happened where people couldn't get um, the right care after an industrial accident and you know, that was basically one of the, the, um, issues was improper communication. And I have seen some pretty, you know, crazy things around, um, inequity. Um, and it's because when I worked in the north, uh, you would go to indigenous com- communities and you could see it firsthand. Um, you could also, but you didn't have to go very far, uh, small communities basically it's it's right there in 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 front of you so it's always been a passion of mine Uh, I'm trying to solve the problem by you know being a thought leader around this issue uh, taking my network which is um, you know a network where investors have money they don't know how to deploy it trying to work on the business cases uh, looking at the, um, grants and incentives that are there mm-hmm. and trying to patch it all together. Cause there is no, in, there isn't in a lot of these countries, um, although Britain seems to have it kind of figured out right now. Um, there is no national strategy. Mm-hmm. Australia has, has a national strategy. And so once you have a national strategy, um, things are a lot easier, but right now we don't. And you know my my goal is to um, unleash that potential of the digital economy
0: It would empower so many people's lives
2: well think about um you know we and there's different le- there's different levels um there's different levels of empowerment mm-hmm. some places. Um, can't even focus on getting access to the digital economy because they have other issues that are much bigger. But if the digital economy was there, those issues would be not as bad. So, mental health, as an example, um, you know, you need good networks to manage your patient. Uh, somebody's um, anguish can come across as you know, lines in their forehead or wrinkles uh, on their cheeks. As a a doctor, you need to see that. Mm -hmm. And so these kinds of things are very important. Um, I think they're foundation building to economies and society and culture. And, you know, we're actually have been leapfrogged ahead. And I also think that you know, latency and which is the speed of net speed of networks, so which was the quality of of na- networks is really important because then we can use technology to solve a, a lot more problems that we have.
1: You know it's what's what's interesting is this was a problem mm. long before Covid. And so I can only imagine, um, like many other things we're seeing, you know, the impact that COVID now has because of this digital inequity. What what are you seeing around that in terms of resiliency for people?
2: So what I'm seeing is a lot of conversation to say that they want to do something. Um, I mean, this has been a pro- problem for quite a while. Like I think there's been pro programs specifically in Canada and other parts of the world that um, have People have tried to build the broadband penetration, but it never really seems to work. It's called, I have a term for it, it came from a friend of mine, it's called fiber to the press, okay. which gets you lots of attention, but the projects, infrastructure development pro- projects are not as profitable, and they need there needs to be incentive to reduce the cost to make it happen. So it's not enough just to talk about it and put the money out there, you, you actually have to do the work. Mm-hmm. and um so right now in this um time that we're in there is a lot of anxiety now there's a lot of like holy cow we need to do something about it but this uh, this issue is not oh i'm going to bring internet to somebody it's about oh i need to build access so that we can build an economy around it and a lot of people can create businesses around it and it's, it's, a, it's an infrastructure, it's a critical infrastructure. It's like saying that all of a sudden the tap turned off and you realize that you need water to drink. Yes. And there's no infrastructure there. So a lot of uh, communities are feeling the pain, um, people are at home, mm-hmm. um, and those that even have access to broadband, it's a struggle to maintain the amount of um, the consumption of infrastructure that we need to keep it going. So I mm-hmm. don't know how many times you'll sit there and see Netflix. You know, maybe four people have it on in a four-person family, and it sometimes it just sits there and clocks at twenty-four percent, and you're like, "Darn, <laughs> what do I do?" But that's because people are using it, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, we've got a long ways to go. Mm. it's not gonna happen overnight it's gonna take investment I think it's probably gonna cost ten times more than anybody thinks
0: Mm. I can see there's a lot of passion I can see two things passion for solving the problem Mm -hmm. and the other passion Rob that I'm seeing come out really clearly is the human passion to help people and i can see that come through so loud and clear in your voice and i think that's beautiful and um i think that i can see why you're driven
2: well thank you um it probably comes from um just the way i was fortunate enough to be raised the way i was um and um you know i think that um all we have to do is just be nice to people and give where we can and give when we can, even if, and sometimes give if we can't. And so I just, I just think that this issue and my mission in life is to unleash the potential of people and those around me and to be a servant leader and to make things happen for others. And I don't, you know, I try to personally, Create projects to help people, right? So, I don't come from a background where I have, um, you know, the resources some some other people have. So I have to create my own um, way to get back.
1: I love that. I I have to create. It's like you you are this creator. This okay. Well, there wasn't a solution, so I created one, and I you know I share with us this creation. The, the, this this theme of creation in your life. Um, for those that haven't seen your TED talk, um, yeah.
2: So I guess it all started. Um, it all started growing up in a small town, and everybody had to help each 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 other. Uh, I think that's part part of it. You always have to. I always used to look at people and like, wow, how's that person like carving out a lit carving in a living, like. All winter, they're laid off in the summertime they they actually use their own value, which could be like handed down from them like a carpenter would go and, you know, fix up all the cottages around. And he did that all summer, but all winter, he didn't have a job. he may had he had to find something. And so, I think the whole creative side comes with just realizing that you, you have value and you have to, um, put that value out there. Um, you know, and all the other things will come with it. It's like, I know a lot of people are realizing you have to manifest things, but I think you have to just go forward and do things that's actually manifesting. Um, and,
1: Where did that, where where did that, um, because in your Ted talk, you said at a very young age, you knew you wanted to be a CEO. Yeah. Yeah. So know that, where did that come from?
2: Well, I think it's, well, so my, my family, they're farmers, my, my, and on my dad's side and my mother's side, they're, they're, um, they were miners and, you know, trappers. So very much you know, doing things to create um, off the land and the whole value chain. Um, And so I think that um, when I, it was part of, it was instilled in me that uh, there is this way of actually doing things on your own. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to, I always had this thing, I want to make a million dollars. You know, I thought that was a big, big number, (laughs) Entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs didn't exist so I said I want to be a CEO um, and I said I wanted to go to Harvard because if you want to be a CEO you got to know about business but I totally did not understand the route like the environment that, that I was in and you know how difficult that would be so I've always been this kind of guy who just goes and still goes and uh, does the best he can probably could have done a lot better in high school to go where he wanted to go. But, um, I'm a social creature. So I always had always, and still do, I value relationships. And, um, so I, I think that, you know, that seed was planted really young. I had no other choice, but to do it. Like I remember when my father was unemployed because he was on uh, on strike. And so he said, do you want to help me wire houses electrically? And it's because my father was an electrician. And I was like, sure, it's great. You get up at four in the morning and go to bed at 11 o'clock at night. And I ran around with flashlights and pulled wire all day. But it was, I remember, so liberating that people would pay us cash. People would, and we, you know, we'd have our own lunch. We, we basically, no one would bother us. It was in a great environment in Northern Ontario on lakes and stuff. So I kind of got the bug then. And, um, but even today, um, if I look at it, so I started my own company 13 years ago, I just exited. I'm, I'm like, you know, there's certain times when you need to do those things and certain times when you need to just do something else. So I, I, i think i'm going to pause on the entrepreneurial like start start a company although starting a a company when it's the economy's like this if you have something that adds a lot of value quickly you can really grow with the economy as it goes but but right now i'm just trying to focus on um using my network and make you know finding a founder a couple founders that i can help with them because you know, with my experience, I'm a Chief Revenue Officer, Chief Operating Officer, Chief Marketing Officer, all for the same price as one person.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is beautiful. Uh, Rob, there's a few things as you were talking and actually even your background, I feel so connected to. Um, You said, you know, you, you came from, you know, this town where everyone worked hard and they were creators. And uh, Rob, my dad was a minister and we traveled around and I used to see him go into these communities and just help build them and give his heart to them. And that's why I also, I moved countries. I've done some crazy things, haven't I, Jackie? And as you're telling your story, um, I, I had my son stand in my bedroom the other morning and go, I heard an entrepreneur speak, mom, and he says, if you want to be successful, you need pressure. And I was like, oh. <laughs> um, and um, I think, and then I sent him your TED talk this morning, and I said, you need to watch Rob. Um, because I think sometimes we want to make a difference in the world. That's generally what drives creators, is the, is the desire to to shift a boundary or to make a difference or to, you know, you're destined for more. You just don't know exactly what it looks like, but you know, you've got to go there. And the other thing, you said, which I love, was don't be scared to fail. Mm-hmm. So how many times in your career have, because creators go and then... And we stand up again and then you kind of flop down again, right? And Jackie, you know what this feels like. I know what this feels like. Rob, give us two of the biggest moments where you were like, I'm going to do this. It's this going to be great. And then it didn't work that well.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I've had a lot of uh, opportunities to learn. Um, so so I think in grade 13, because we have an extra grade in uh, at that time, I had... Um, 49.7% in um, in one calculus class and I was like oh my god I, I was devastated because I was worried about even get getting 50 right I needed 50 which I thought was required to go to u- university so so I had to in, I had to actually get my parents to come in and convince the teacher to give me fifty. she really didn 't like me that much uh, it 's because i didn 't take her class that seriously um, you know and so that was a, that was a lesson to in really it it was a lesson in politics right um, and then the, the the other lesson was um, you know when I started my company i had to i think it was in 2008 it was i had 20 employees and i ended up having to i didn't have enough cash flow we had it was in 2008 uh, we had uh, government rip up a purchase order for three quarters of a million do- dollars basically say we're not paying you and basically what are you going to do and so i had to go get a loan from a couple individuals that you would never really hang out with personally. And, um, it, because I needed to make payroll for Christmas and it ended up, you know, being a, um, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of upset that I didn't have the money to actually put myself in that situation, but, um, it was, uh, some people would have probably just said, well, we can't go further. But, um, you know, so I learned a lot on that. I learned a lot that that way. It was a, uh, it was pretty sobering when at the end of January I had to pay 30% interest basically with fees and all that stuff. So, and then there was also a time where I was doing a project in the Caribbean. I had lawyers, we did this whole, um, you know, we were going to build this network. We had the bank involved. Um, we had all the documentation put in place. And we showed up. And then I talked to the Canadian government and I told them who the contract was with. And they basically paused. And they said, Oh, really? Can you come back in the afternoon? So we came back in the afternoon and they're like, Well, you got to get out of that contract. You can't work with that guy. Mm-hmm. But um, we ended up losing a uh, quarter of a million dollars,
0: yeah.
2: and because uh, it was too late. And there's a whole process of why it happened. But you know, it was a big lesson. That's that's a lot of money. Um, so yeah, I've done. I've I've learned a lot of things, and uh, it hasn't. But it's not. Uh, I guess I guess what you have to think of it is it's an education. Uh, everything that happens to you um and there the i've got this thing like this two will pass and it always does and you don't know why you're going through these things but you are and uh like i've been fired a couple times um you know i and it wasn't it wasn't like performance related it was more about uh politics and just um you know wasn't wasn't any fault of my own so
1: you is you know Christina and I talk about this a lot and, and I don't know if it tends to be more of something that happens with women but there seems to be not a shame story here around okay I got fired or this didn't work out and I made a mistake is that something do you know what I mean by that a, a, a shame story you know can you share with us is there an inner peace that you have just made peace with along the way how do you
2: well I realize so I'm fortunate I'm a person who looks at macro things. I can look at building blocks. I understand, like I try to figure out how the world works and what's really relevant to make your life and how things work. Mm -hmm. And I also understand where the constraints are. So there's certain, I I always say, like people who write the checks in business actually write the rules. That's a rule. So you're not going to change that. So so I think one of the things that um, I focus on is what I can influence, I will influence. But what I can't, I will just live with it and work around it. It's a constraint. What else am I going to do? And so there's things that happen to us uh, beyond our control. So we just have to maneuver around it. <laughs>
0: Said so well and you know what, as you've said that, Rob, my business partner is my husband and he's a chartered accountant. And he's actually in my office at the moment because of COVID. So we have a little office and he works for another organisation, but he's in and I generally go around him to do certain things sometimes. And I can see he'd like to kill me because he's all
1: about the rules.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm is
1: he listening uh, right now? <laughs> so he's the
0: post, and I'm, but he knows. I read him my tilt profile. Yesterday again, where it said I was stubborn and dominant under stress. And he went, yeah, I don't think that's just under stress. I think that's you every day. And I was like, oh, thanks darling. <laughs> um, I think creators and to your very point, uh, see opportunities. But I love that Jackie asked you that shame question because um, you said something in your Ted talk, which I want to come back to. Okay. Sorry, you should give me the Ted talk Jackie. Cause I was like, tick, tick, um, but so you said that you know you even arrived to go to university and then it didn't actually materialize so you ended up in the workplace i did the same so i my parents couldn't afford to send me because they were just community community workers they were so poor god they were eating apples at one stage to stay alive and so you know I reflect on that and I reflect on your story and I'm thinking, and yet it didn't stand in the way of you creating the future you wanted to create because you were driven. Did that ever come up as a shame story or a story of not enough when you were dealing with p- other people or did you just accept that it was part of who you are?
2: Yeah, so I've, you know, sometimes I do reflect, I'm like, you know, I would never, I would never tell somebody not to go to, university
1: i'm with you go please go if you can right. go, go. Right. Yeah. and i would say
2: get the best I at-
1: the university admission story too i want to tell you guys after okay, okay. <laughs> i think that's not something we all have in common except yeah.
2: I- so i so i basically always tell people you need to go and and i was really proud to do the talk at mcgill because that's mm. that to me was because my son goes to mcgill oh. and uh and my daughter came too so that was what that was about mostly um so yeah, so I, I actually, you know, of course, I used to feel l- a little bit um, like I didn't want to tell my story about not going to university, and even sometimes I do today. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, after, after a while, experience trumps um, u- university. I mean, you have, when you go to higher levels of education, you actually are learning how to think, really. And, um, but it's, and it's more important then because you don't have the experience, the life experience or the lens, your lens is different. And as we go through life, doing things, taking on the risk, and I'm fortunate. I take on risk that other people won't take on. And basically my lens becomes, uh, different. And so those experiences give me an education that other people would die for it, that went to so it has nothing, it, it has a bearing for a certain point of time, and then it doesn't. So once I started to figure that out, because here's an, ex- here's an example. I went to a recruiter when, in probably 1992 for career development. And I said, uh, I want to be a project manager for uh, IT. And she looked at me, and she said, you're a tradesman. How do you think you're going to ever be a project manager in it. So I was like, my God, like, you know, me, maybe she's right. And then I went back to my old foreman when I was a lineman and he's like, I don't know how you ever think that you can even survive in this environment and business. You, you don't know anything about this stuff. You should just come back and be a lineman again. And so, you know, I did research then I started to, and then, then I was like, well, no, nobody's going to tell me what I cannot do. And, uh, it became sort of this internal drive to actually, so I got my project management professional certification. I ended up mentoring others. I found people where I worked that were willing to, um, coach me on business and why they make decisions in, and the bigger picture. So I, you know, I can see why, like at certain points I do, I did have shame and sometimes I sometimes like fight it. I'm, but
1: it okay, comes up. Yep. Yeah.
2: So you're like human. I, to
1: be honest, so you like, are human <laughs> yeah,
2: for sure. And so, and I think we all have our own, our own um, things we worry about. Mm-hmm. and um, Yeah. It's it's more of uh, just knowing yourself. Uh, I think once you hit a person, a person, like once you get a certain amount of experience in life, you start to be more con- uh, conscientious about yourself. So. Oh, and
1: hearing such a strong trust in self, right? You, I think you believed in your ability to learn. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. Absolutely, you did. Now, Jackie, what's your story?
1: Well. I- it's it's now it seems insignificant uh to the conversation (laughs) nobody's
2: story is insignificant
1: no no when you i Um, heard the story about how you 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 um you forgot to sign back you know to to your acceptance and then you show up and you're not at you know you didn't get accepted it reminded me so i i had my son when i was 18 and i had to sort of finish school get some credits and i applied to universities um but somewhere along the line, I dropped math. So you have a common math. I, I decided it was too hard along the way. And the, the guidance counselor at the time agreed that I probably didn't need math. <laughs> you know, I was, you know, 15 at the time or something. And so I, I didn't get accepted to university because my math, my, my, they took off marks for your, your average, because I didn't have a math credit that, that was a university math credit. And so I wrote a letter. So when you said you like wrote a four page letter, I like, I like, I moved to Guelph. I moved there with my son because I decided that's where I was going. So similar story. And I was, you know, and then I didn't get accepted. So I, I had to go and, and write a letter and have an interview. Um, and they did, they, they accepted me um, they let me in. And so I, that theme of like, I can do this. I can, you know, we have to, at some point believe you can do it and then be brave enough to go have those conversations and convince other people that, you know, to take, to take that chance on you, which it seems like.
2: That's an amazing story because I can only imagine the pressure of being there with your son.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like what, what now? Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's a good story.
0: Yeah. then you your creation and your belief in the purpose of why you're there drives you and I think as a parent Mm -hmm. there's nothing more purposeful taking care of our, our kids by doing what we need to do to take care of our kids I raised my daughter on my own after my marriage broke down and she was two and um God, I think it was the toughest time of my entire life. Although I've had some rough times post that, and I just remember that I was so dedicated to putting food on the table, to making a life for us. That at one stage I hired out. To, I hired a three-bedroom apartment. She stayed with me in my room, and I I was in recruitment at that stage, and I the temps I was a I was a temp consultant, so I had a hundred temps working for me in government, and so I used to find these temps that needed to stay somewhere. The woman because I was very clear, I only wanted to live with other women for the safety of my daughter. And then they used to rent these rooms from me so that I can put food on the table and petrol in the car. And I just think, and if I think today, my husband and I are signing off our new house that we're building on the Northern beaches of Sydney, and it's the most beautiful uh, design. And it's not fancy, because we're not fancy, we're practical people. But it's those, I never thought, you never think that tough times in your life when you go through it and you're just pushing and living and surviving, that there could be a time in your life where you could be so grateful mm-hmm. to be able to make a difference, not just survive.
1: Well, and those are all the skills that actually help us now. All these little skills that you pick up along the way in that journey make you who you are today.
0: Well, you yeah. do.
2: And it's and it's a good quality. It's it builds resiliency. Right? Because that means you can take on more and you know, you know how to handle it when it comes. To, and a lot, a lot of times you look at you look at people and you're like, oh my God, how are they making it happen? Like exactly. things have happened to them, you're just like, why is it that person that this is happening to? But all through their lives, they've probably built up the resiliency to actually handle it where uh, where other people may never handle it. Mm -hmm. So it's quite interesting.
0: Mm -hmm. I I have this weird belief. Of course I've got a weird belief, but I have a weird belief that we're sent a path that we need to walk so that we can stand next to others. That's why we're on that path. We're not on that path because that path is going to make us great. Even Steve Jobs, when he was on his, on his deathbed, but you know he—he he was saying he, he wished he'd spent more time with his family. Yet he has a legacy that he made such a difference in the world. And I'm not saying one is better than the other. And I understand where he's coming from, uh, because family, I think, is critically important for us to keep us um, rounded. Is probably the word I want to use. But I think we're on the path we're on, so that we can be there for others. Why else do we have the story? But the problem is, if we don't tell the story or share the story or be willing to stand in our story, others can never believe that they could have a difference-making story themselves. true.
1: I love that, Christina.
2: It's very true. true. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't think their stories will inspire others, but...
1: But they do. They do,
0: yeah. (laughs) But they do. And Rob, your story is so inspirational honestly um so what are you gonna do now i mean you're in this space where you can do anything uh and make such a difference with your life obviously you want to work with others but what's on the cards for rob
2: well i really enjoy um doing projects that add value i also and that can be a company or that can be venture capital company that want that's helping others investing in them um i really have a way with understanding um founders and how they think uh, so i am actually just going out there trying to solve problems for people find out if i can add value be a consultant or be a board member um, and or work for some, for somebody that really is, um, trying to unleash the potential of what they're doing, like through technology or building broadband broadband networks. It would be great to, you know, raise a hundred million dollars and build all these projects I have. But I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's a long ways off right now, but, um, it would be great to, you know, I, I really just look at each opportunity and then I'll know, uh, based on what kind of value it, it means to me. So yeah.
1: Okay. Rob, maybe just, uh, one last question here. Um, I know we've, we've been going on for quite a while. I've heard you say unleash, um, the potential as your purpose. i mean, you've said it a number of times in this conversation. Yeah. Um, it, it's the name of your podcast. You also have a yeah. podcast. What in terms of unleashing one's potential? What advice or thoughts would you leave our listeners with around how you know how they could unla- unleash their own potential?
2: Well, I think that I think it's really you have to know yourself and always work on, on yourself. You actually have to also work on the other pillars of your life too, and you have to have kind of you always have to work on those things but you, you, in the end, you need help. We all do. We need help. We need to share our stories. We need to ask for help. We need to tell people about what we're trying to do. Um, and you need to be like, you need to be persistent and have grit and like, don't be afraid to fail because failing is learning. And like you, and and if you don't know, for god's sakes like read a book it's the best education you can get. <laughs> it's like i read all all the time and it's like people like christina write a book and you can actually learn so much from someone someone else's experience and well again,
1: yeah, there's podcast there's everything there's every imaginable way to learn right now yeah,
2: yeah like it's it's consume information and Learn, learn about yourself, and don't forget yourself because a lot of people do. And um, you know, it's, it's. I think it's just that grit that that people need to unleash the potential.
0: I I like this thought around grit. Grit is not hard. Grit is flexible. Yeah. In the bounce.
2: Yeah, and and you know, some people live their lives with way more grit than others, and they are very successful because of it.
0: Totally. And I think sometimes you think it's tough, but tough is fluid.
2: Yeah. Well, and you know, there's a lot to be said about mindset, right? Mm There is. There is.
1: thank you so much what a joy to interview you Rob um thank you so much for being here with us anything you want to say uh in closing Christina
0: uh Rob I just want to thank you for showing up today uh as Rob and for allowing us to really see your heart and for you know for man to talk about and I'm not saying that you're a you're a you're you're not like, you are not like other men because you've been able to share, but you are like other men, I'll shut up. Um, But you've been able to share the story so bravely with such courage. And you even went to talk about the shame piece, which I think men need to start looking at so that they can be more resilient in their own mindset, that it's not shameful, you know, that it's a gift to work through. So I want to thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I do want to connect you with some people locally who are looking at software to uh, engage higher healthcare pieces and I think that might be a good connection where it goes, who knows? Yeah, for sure. But what a pleasure to to meet you. And Jackie, thank you for being wonderful and reaching out to Rob. And Rob has shared so many bounce stories. We're gonna add Rob's TED talk into all our social media feeds. Uh, Rob, we'd like to add your contact details in too because if someone wants to contact want them to contact you um and we want to bounce back with you again in a few months time and see how you're going we would love that don't you think Jamie? oh i love it yes thank yeah, you rob well, so well, yeah. any thoughts for our audience out there in closing
2: yeah i just gotta say that uh this is a time when we all need to work together as a global community like doing this you're in australia uh we're in canada i mean i just finished talking to uh i um, um, uh, somebody from new Ze- new zealand today so you know we really have to become a glo- global community and rise above what we hear and um you know it's a um it's a great time um for us to solve some problems by working together so and also I mean it's really great that you two are putting this together. I mean um, there is a lot to be said about uh, people who are inquiring and trying to, you know, inspire inspire others because that's so important in this world and I thank you and for giving me the opportunity. I'm just and this is I'm just totally grateful. So thank you.
1: You're thank so, you. so Jackie You ready to close off the show? Yes, thank you so much for being here Rob and Christina. It is um, so much fun to be here. I'm I'm learning something every single time we do one of these these sessions. Um, Please reach out to us with any questions you have. Uh, If you wanna be a guest on our show, uh, please reach out, we would love to have you. Thanks everyone.
0: Thanks everyone and don't forget to bounce. Take care, bye.